Wow, that's impressive. That's what somebody said on this day, more or less, when you read the gospel lesson. And we don't know who said it, which one of the disciples said it. But one of them said it. We don't know completely why they said it, but we want to explore that a little bit today. And we want to talk a little bit um, about what Jesus did in response and what it might mean for us today. That's kind of where we're headed. That's what I want to look at this morning. And the beginning place is to think about the context of this. So before our gospel lesson today in Mark 13, Jesus has been teaching in the temple. And last week we talked about how his teaching in the temple was about the condition of our hearts and, and teaching about the heart. And he, was, he gave a negative example and he gave a positive example. The negative example was talking about the scribes and all the stuff that they do for attention and the titles and the long prayers and all the stuff that they do. And then the positive example where Jesus kind of stops the show and, and calls all the disciples over to come look is to see this little poor widow who's coming to the temple treasury and basically giving all that she has. So he, he, Jesus makes a big show and he wants them to see it. And he's teaching about the condition of our hearts. We talked about that last week. And then after that, they walk out of the temple today and then bam, you know, this, whichever disciple it is just can't help it. It's like, wow, like Jesus, look at this. You know, look at, the, look at how amazing this is. And to be for sure, like, like I'm not throwing stones at this moment. I mean, just stop right there. It was impressive. I mean, we may be, if you've ever seen an artist's rendition of what they think the temple looked like, you may not be impressed because you're used to seeing New York City and hundred story buildings and all this other kind of stuff. But back then, this would have been super impressive, right? I mean, it was a multi-building compound. It was huge, twice the size of Solomon's temple, twice the size of the Roman Forum. It had started, it, it, the, the construction on it began under Herod the Great back in like 20 or 19 BC, and they were still working on it when Jesus is leaving on this day. So think about how long they've been working on it. It's an impressive facility. Josephus, the historian from the first century, talks about it. He talks about how impressive it is. And he gives example, um, to go back to what our gospel is today, about how some of the stones were, were ginormous. I mean, like he talks about one of them being 40 feet long, 18 feet wide, and 12 feet high. Huge, right? I mean, it was impressive. And I imagine that it was even more impressive. Uh, I grew up in a small town. So I imagine the, these guys from Galilee coming to the big city, and they're even like more blown away by it. You know, it's like, whoa. And they, he, they just can't contain themselves. And I, th I think it brings us back, though, to this perennial, always there temptation of, the, of grandeur, the idol of grandeur. When you read this passage, I wonder if these stones, these huge stones, the wow, look how impressive they are doesn't represent more than these stones themselves, but represent more things. Like, I wonder, what are these idols of grandeur in our own lives? Like wealth, or power, or achievement, maybe, maybe it's easy life, whatever it is. I think it's too easy for us to think about whatever disciple this is who, who made this comment. And think, oh, wow, you know, we would have done been different or we are different or whatever else. But we fall in that same place a lot of times. We think the only way to be great is to accomplish or to achieve some grandeur. Or maybe 
all of us are a little bit wanting to be like the stones in this thing. That we want people to stop and notice us and to, to be awed by us and to say great comments about us. And again, all of this is sort of ironic in our gospel today because it's right on the foots of hearing about the humble woman who is giving everything to God that we read in the previous gospel lesson and the great contrast that it is. There are lots of ways to begin to think about what, what these stones might symbolize. I think one more thing coming from a different angle we might think about is it's the temple, right? It's this thing that is, in Judaism at the time, it is the center of everything. And it's made with these, again, these ginormous stones. People think it's never going to change. And so maybe it's representative of this sense of permanence. Like, this is never going to change. This is the way it is. And we're holding on to that. Like, it doesn't change. But Jesus, we want to switch gears here and look at what Jesus does with it, right? Because Jesus doesn't see it the same way that the disciple does. And so when Jesus begins to respond back to him, he, I don't know if you noticed it, maybe it's a subtle thing, but Jesus says back to him, do you see these stones? Well, yeah, that's what we're talking about. But I think the re- part of the reason maybe Jesus says that is he wants him to see something else. Jesus is seeing it in a different way. Jesus is not dazzled by it. And Jesus sees the stones coming down. I think Jesus sees the ruin and the destruction. He sees what it is for, for what it is. And I imagine later when they get to the Mount of Olives and and he's talking to the disciples, that this whole discourse and his follow-up to their questions is disturbing. Like it's shaken their world. Jesus wants them to see it differently. That's not the way he wants to see it. He doesn't want them to see this as the epicenter of salvation because that's what God is. Like any kind of grandeur, any kind of edifice, any kind of whatever it is, that you think about, God is greater. And I think Jesus is going along basically um, busting their bubbles. He's he's popping their balloons of their spiritual things they're holding on to. And when we hear about that and we think that, I think it's a great time for us to pause and think about what are these things we hold on to the same way? What What are the things that we need to have popped? Like thinking that there's only one liturgy or only one way to God in the sense of, I know if I do it this way and this way and this way, God's there. And so don't change it, you know, or whatever else it is that we hold on to that way. Do we think that it's not just a liturgy? Do we think that God's only here on Sunday? Do we, do we ignore him Monday through Friday? No. <laughs> hey, let's, we're going to start a call and response. Thank you for whoever that is. I'm, I'm on a new mode now. <laughs> Can I get an amen on that? No. <laughs> but this idea that it's, it's not that. Or whatever edifice it is that we hold in our minds that we put up instead of trusting God, those kinds of things. Or do we hold on to some, do we cling to some sense of permanence when God really wants to move us along? He wants us to keep moving and growing and we're holding on to whatever it is because we found God in some place. Or we experienced him, and we know he's here, and so we hold on. But God's like, yeah, no, I don't want you to stay there. We're on an adventure and a journey. Walk with me. Stop clinging, because we're moving on this way. Are we willing to come and live amongst the rubble and the destruction? Are we willing to sit 
and just straight on look at the fact that things fall apart here, that things change? Is that going to rock our world? What kind of false gods are we put out here? In the 13th century, the mystic writer, uh, Master Eckhart, wrote about this. And he, he said, we ought to really put name our imposter gods. The ones that, that we put up there that hold us back because we're scared of the mystical God who is untamable. It's sort of what he's saying is part of this stuff is we're trying to domesticate God in ways that we can keep him where we want him. Instead of letting him go where he wants. Are we willing to see the stones come down and whatever it is we held that way? And the, the final part about this is, you know, to go back to the literal part of this. The stones did come down in the year 70 when the Romans uh, tore down the temple. And Jesus probably spoke a little bit with hyperbole because not every stone came down. But the, clearly the temple got radically destroyed. And so it did come down that way. And the, the final thing that I want to look at this morning is... Um, what do we do when the stones come down? And so the final part about this is to kind of think about this. And, and separate from the way we live in an age where all our media and news and everything else is all about, in a sense, sort of hysteria and a little bit of fear-mongering and all the stuff. To, we want clickbait and we want all the other stuff. Jesus is like, be calm. Don't be alarmed. Don't despair. Hold on to love. And he, he goes on to say, you know, this is the birth pangs. This is, this is things giving birth. This is the change. This is the movement towards the fullness of God's kingdom. Don't have knee-jerk reactions of judgment. Hold on to peace. Hold on to hope. Do your part to incarnate love in the world. And that's the way we go forward. You know, we, we live in a time that I think sometimes feels apocalyptic. We don't have earthquakes everywhere. We got fires, I think, this week, right? And we don't have wars on our turf, but we have politics that sometimes feel like war. And Jesus is saying, be patient. Love like you've never been hurt. Keep loving. Hold on to patience. Keep drawing on God's resources and the brokenness of the world. And live in that place without alarm. There are three things I would love for you to talk about at lunch today or to meditate on this week as we, as we kind of, apart from all the Thanksgiving stuff, because that's the bigger thing, but I'd love it if we think about what edifices of grandeur we've built. And right along with it, what are the things that, what are the stones that um, Jesus wants to pull down in our own lives? And then the third thing is, how do we live in the face of these sort of apocalyptic, huge things going on? How do we respond? How do we live full into what Jesus calls us to do. A little bit of homework for Thanksgiving week, right? Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you that you love us. You know us by name. You know the hairs on our head. You call us to walk in your ways. And Lord, as we do that, help us to surrender fully to you. Our preconditions, the things we, we hold sacred, which may not be from you. May we set it all before you. And ask for your way to reign in our lives. Give us the strength to be open to your leading and to your spirit. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.